Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man whose house was previously owned by spiders. <laughs> I am the Adam class, and uh, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but my my bedroom when we were in high school uh, was in the basement and was absolutely full of spiders. I absolutely Just... remember your bedroom was terrifying. <laughs> yes, uh, so I remember so many spiders. Well. Your ba- uh, your basement had a. I had a bit of a spider thing going on, uh, among other things. It did, it did, and and had a Pittsburgh toilet, uh, which which is is a term I throw out uh, in the hopes that anyone knows what it is. But a, a Pittsburgh toilet is a uh, a not necessarily for use toilet, uh, unenclosed in the basement. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can get access to a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion film, and uh, supporters get to vote on what movie it's going to be. We put together a list every month of four films, and then a fifth option as the escape valve always, uh, Kazam, the 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. Uh, we watch... We watched some some terrible things over there. And hey, I was wondering what this conversation was. It's not. It's not meant to be. You know, we didn't. We never wanted to do a bad movie podcast. Nope. But we also just got tired of always talking about Criterion films, and that's why the Patreon exists to give right. us an opportunity to talk about other. I mean, movies. they are sometimes um, bad, but it's worth noting that they're bad more by happenstance. There's no purposeful choice right, to right, make right, it. Right, right, right. There's never been any effort to make the the bonus uh the patreon stuff into a bad movie podcast i do not want to do that right, we have right. avoided that as best we and can. G- yes generally when we have ended up watching movies that are are bad movies they were not movies we necessarily expected to be bad uh or if they are movies that other people might watch for a bad movie podcast they are movies that one of us legitimately enjoys right right right, so, right. Um, uh I just I, I love critters. I love critters too. Critters, I love critters is good. Critters. I, it's worth noting that that yeah. Hudson Hawk has appeared on every bad movie podcast ever made. They all right, eventually right, do right, a Hudson right, Hawk and, episode, right? And it is of course Lost in Criterion canon that Hudson Hawk is Pat and I's favorite movie. Yeah, there's so. no doubt. There's no doubt. But that is all the one dollar tier. As I said, supporters at one dollar get access to the entire bat catalog. There's uh, there's nearly sixty. Uh, bonus episodes over there now so that's we've been at this point we've even had the patreon for longer than i can actually remember having the Patreon. yeah the the patreon actually is the one that freaks me out more than the main podcast just because like every time you tell me how many episodes there are i kind of have a panic attack it's surely we've only been doing the patreon for a year yeah that's yeah Uh, exactly It, it does not feel does not feel correct right Turns out it's been over five. Ah, oh, man, what good times. Um, 
a little above that first tier for five dollars uh just folks who uh can afford to give us a little more and want to help us a little bit more we'd like to thank those people on air thank you so much to our current five dollar supporters steven goldmeyer eric coronado chris otto and andrew jarrett above that we do something pretty dang special pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently and every month i get that printed up on a postcard and mail it off with a little personalized note to our $10 and above supporters. So we want to thank those folks on air as well. Thank you so much to Tracy McGrath, to Adam Speakerman, Patrick Yako, Jason Westhaver, and Nina Pajnak. If you want to check out those postcards without committing to the $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there, and you'll find all of our past postcards. Well, most of our past postcards. Uh, Except and, for the uh, ones that are too hot to handle. Yes, yes, just too hot just for one of Red those Bubble. Absolutely terrible late night ads. <laughs> yes, maybe we should re-release all of the band from Red Bubble cards with uh, with censored bars. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally, absolutely. Like you gotta uh, you gotta order them. Like uh, it's it's like late night anime sales when I was like in like third oh, yeah. grade or whatever, right? Yeah. Like. Imported Absolutely. directly Absolutely. from Japan or whatever. It's just Akira. Yes. It's just fucking Akira. Yes, it's just Akira. Uh, but man, anyway. they made it seem um, so salacious. Oh my God. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Thank you to anyone who has bought anything from the Redbubble. And thanks to you for listening. Yes, thank you, everyone. Let's get into this week's episode. Uh, Pat, this week we are finishing up the Letters from Fontenhaus box set of films by Pedro Costa, shot in the Lisbon, uh, Portugal neighborhood of Fontenhaus before it was destroyed. Uh, well, and while it was destroyed and right. <laughs> a little bit after it was destroyed uh, over the course of its destruction. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we started off with Osos, which was the most uh, fictionalized of the three films. Right. Then last week we talked about In Vonda's Room, which uh, after the experience of Osos, um, one of the actresses in Osos approached Costa and said, hey, do you want to see what life is really like and get beyond the trucks and the lights um, that that uh, uh, and and Costa and well, Costa bear in sort mind, of Costa sort of almost walks that back in the interview with him here. He said, "Well, at least that's the way I remember." <laughs> right, 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 right. This thing is the most unreliable and, and kind of in the history of mankind. Right. Yeah. right, right, right. I think we'll we'll talk more about that. But I think Costa's relationship to his own art here is maybe complicated for good reasons. Uh, so I don't know. Anyway, he kind of attributes that to Vonda idea and, and her saying to, to get beyond the lights and, and see the, see the neighborhood for how it really is. Um, so they made in Vonda's room, which is principally shot in Vonda's room and stars Vonda, uh, as herself and is then what gets labeled on, Wikipedia as docufiction, uh, whereas this week's also gets labeled docufiction, but uh, but if you uh, scroll down a bit, also gets labeled ethnofiction, 
which is the fictionalized ethnography in the same way that docufiction is fictionalized documentary. Uh, and Pat's growling <laughs> because because that's not whatever a, we talk about just, ethnography. Like, that maybe is the <laughs> only thing that is worse than docufiction is this like <laughs> yes, yes. like you at this point wor- like, what words they don't mean things. Fuck you. <laughs> like yes, yes. This this idea of of eth- ethnography already has its own problems uh, as far as uh, certainly as Pat's Pat's concerned, and I have. Less of a dog in that race, but uh, I generally well certainly uh, certainly ethnography is done by by rando dic- uh, directors who like didn't didn't even right. bother to read a book and decided to be like mm, I do ethnographies now. <laughs> right, right. I saw right. a movie and that, that is, called that itself is an not ethnography necess- fifty years ago and made a movie. <laughs> that is not necessarily a dig at cost <laughs> so much. No, as, as, as a lot of the other directors he, we he have seen. learned from, but let's not get right, into right. Uh, and unfortunately, the people we learn. And then, from. then you combine uh, fiction anyway. in there, and it's like, well, what at this point? What is this? Like, what is? Right, right. How is yes? How is it an ethnography at all if it's fictionalized? Right. That doesn't. It no matter. All right. No matter how truth based a film is, it is not an ethnography or a documentary. If you've introduced, <laughs> introduced fictional right. elements. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it's it's. I don't. I don't know. I, I guess in the end, we, what you get into is like in the end, just like a lot of things. Um. It depends on who's doing the work, right? Yes. And ethnography, like, sort of like you know, if it's fiction made by the people being like sort of who are you know, if it's it's self reflective, we don't, we're not we don't have a problem anymore. Then it just becomes sort of fiction that like is produced by a group of people about themselves and stuff you 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 lose a lot right. of the problems but when it's just some some other dude wandering it i don't know it's uh, let's just let's move on sorry I, listen as far as i'm concerned uh if you introduce fictional elements into a documentary what you've actually done is just we already have a word for that it's, it's called, fiction yeah it's called fiction That's yeah <laughs> absolutely uh, totally and and <laughs> ethnography fits uh, pretty firmly into the same basic camp. right and no no shade thrown at F or fake to that. Uh, I love I love when when that is done and done well. But that is one reason why we don't necessarily talk about F or fake as a documentary. Right. We talk about it as a weird, uncategorizable metafiction film. But this week it's colossal use. So while making in Vonda's room, Costa met a guy named Ventura, and. Ventura became the next person for Costa to get obsessed with, and that that makes it sound negative. It's he he talked with Ventura and thought that Ventura's story would make an interesting story for a film. So, Colossal Youth is about Ventura. Now, uh, interestingly enough, the original Portuguese title for Colossal Youth is uh, literally translated as "Youth on the March." which of course has like a throwback to like the you know the the revolutions of the 60s, right, right, 60s right. and 70s right um and and in light of that uh there's certainly a reading of this film uh as an indictment on the failures of the Portuguese revolution right right uh because 
you know, especially a revolution in the latter half of the 20th century, uh, it was it's always meant to be something that is going to raise up the poor uh, in a way that the existence of Fontaine has shows was not completed. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Ventura is a Cape Verdean immigrant, um, and despite the fact that all of the material around our last uh, our last few films has talked about Fontaine has being a neighborhood of Cape <laughs> of Cape Verde immigrants. Um, he's really the first. Well, I mean, okay. Certainly in Vonda's room, we had some people who were also probably Cape Verde immigrants. And it is the Cape Verde connection that got right uh, Costa to Fontenhaus to begin with. Um, but Vonda is not Cape Verde <laughs> from right. Cape Verde, right? Um, I, but Ventura is. Right. Ventura is someone who actually emigrated in his life, right? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, this is probably, this is much more narrative than in Bonda's room. Yes. Because we are seeing Ventura's story play out. In Vonda's room, it was Vonda talking in her room, occasionally outside her room, and then the real narrative arc were actually other people, right? Uh losing their houses more than Vonda, you know. We have Vonda talking about her life, and there's narrative in that. But uh, as far as any sort of action going on, uh, it was it was people outside of Vonda's right. room. Um, whereas here, there is plot. There is character development, I suppose. Right. Uh, there it, is. Right. There is... In... I think that's where you get into this sort of like question of whether it's fiction or not, right? Like, I mean, it's Ventura sort of like telling his story, but also just sort of navigating his world, right? And like, based right. on the interview with Costa, you kind of get the impression it's it's really hard to tell like who's in charge. Costa talks about uh, Ventura being sort of like in charge. But like, I don't. It it's still hard to tell, right? Like, what's going on exactly? Well, I think so. So the interview you're referencing is sort of a behind the scenes documentary. That's one of the bonus right. features. Um, it is. Uh, it's called. Uh, goodness, it's called All Blossoms Again, and it was directed by Aurelian Gerbolt, um, while Colossal Youth was filming. And seemingly shortly after Colossal Youth was filming. Um, though whether or not the documentary itself is presented in chronological order is also up for right. <laughs> up for yes. debate. Uh, it is it is certainly a a documentary and not a docufiction, but um or at least presented as, I guess that that really boils down to how much right. we can trust Costa. Right. Yes, but, yes. Uh, 
I don't think within the context of that film, we don't really have any reason not to trust right. Costa. So that's yeah, I'm I'm being silly there, but uh, but yeah, the way he talks, like the opening of that documentary is that they're hitting sort of roadblock in filming because Ventura can't remember the big monologue he's supposed to give in the little park outside the outside of the the, uh, the museum. Right. And that big monologue that he's having trouble remembering is just a recounting of his uh, jobs <laughs> of, of his entire work life. Um, and particularly the fact that he helped build this museum that now he is not really welcome in because he is a poor immigrant and it is a fancy art museum. Right. Uh, so the fact that he's, I mean, he's meant to be speaking about himself and, you know, I've, I've written plenty of monologues for myself over the years that you can't I remember. have trouble yeah. remembering. Yeah. Right. <laughs> while presenting um particularly you know if i'm not like reading off of something too you know uh if i'm trying to speak off the cuff no matter how intimate to myself and internal whatever right. i'm saying so, is. assuming you want it to be organized and spoken in a specific way then suddenly right. you have to memorize it right like you can always sort of like right. you could just sit and recount your work history yeah. if you wanted to but there will be a lot of stops and starts and like oh wait did that happen before or after that and what they're trying to do what he's trying to do here is essentially eliminate that sort of natural speaking elements right the things that make natural speaking natural speaking are mostly the pauses and the and the goof ups right like the right right the hey we none of us that is not there's a reason why aaron sorkin dialogue doesn't sound natural um right 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 People yeah. don't talk that is not like to that. say that the pauses are eliminated. Certainly, no, 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 no. Long pauses. But, uh, that is true. But yeah, uh, which is which is fine. Um, but on the flip of that coin, uh, Costa also talks about how he didn't feel a need to write dialogue because he knows these people well enough and has lived with these people long enough that he. Uh, he frames it as sort of he already knows what they're going to say, but also, you know, while while I don't appreciate the exact words he used to describe it, what he's really saying is he trusts them to say the thing that should be said, right? Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's and that's good. Yeah. It's what's well, kind of interesting because like in that that do- that interview, like that documentary slash interview with Costa is is confusing because costa has a tendency costa has not rehearsed any of this and has a tendency to ramble and be a little confusing right at one point he implies that like well when he started this project he didn't know so he didn't like prep anything and he let them sort of like tell him what they wanted to talk about and then later on it sort of switches over to what you talk about and the idea like well they know what they're they know what they're gonna i trust them to say what they say or whatever like it's it he seems to like be kind of all over the if I didn't know better and know that the movie came out, if we were live at the time of this, I would say that Costa is Costa's project has the vibe of wait, is this ever going to come out, or are you guys just sort of like yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like if somebody pitched this project to you and you had to like green light paying for it, you'd be like, so do you have any plan at all, or are you just fucking winging it? Is that the plan? I don't. Yeah, 
there is there is a bit of of that uh the portions of the documentary where where costa is talking that feel almost like synecdoche new york where it's just <laughs> you know this could there's a project that could just keep expanding uh right always. absolutely um right and of course you know he's he's been able to like vonda's room was something he eventually brought to a release point and then he started working on this one with ventura so you know as far as he's concerned also i think you know there is always the ability to do another film so right you know, right there's not he doesn't need to say everything that that's going to be said in this moment right um and, okay go ahead sorry yeah yeah uh i think we'll we'll probably end up talking a lot about all awesomes again just because the interview between him and Gorin uh that came on the Osos DVD um was not barely scratched the surface and we're we're pretty interested in Costa as a person. Right. I uh, I have found that what what has hit home for me is trying to investigate Costa more than than the movies Costa made if that makes sense like it's right, kind right. of a not it doesn't feel like it's what I should be doing with my time necessarily but it is where my brain keeps going because like the yeah. things that Costa puts forward in the movie are to you and I for the most part are sort of self like we we already like you know what I mean? Like the movie's not revealing to us necessarily things that we weren't aware of already happening in the world around us already. Like it's nice to, it's good to put these things to film and stuff like that. But like it, we get into like sort of interrogating where the, the, the source of this endeavor comes from. Right. And like the fact right. that the man never seems to a hundred percent line up with seems to have a lot of contradictions inherent to him i would say yes yeah and and this all blossoms again reveals more of those contradictions yeah. uh and yeah and it's interesting because when he's when he's walking the crew who is i assume just just the director of the documentary but when he's showing showing the cameraman around there our director here um he does legitimately have lament for the destruction of Vontenhaus and for the displacement of people he had a relationship with, a respect for. Uh but then in turn he talks about those people in a way I don't know, in the in the sort of way that a an upper class activist would talk about poor people, and I think, I, and then that kind of for me that like it brought it sort of full circle because we talked about that in Osos, yeah. Like that's the vibe I get is that like this is a person who is right. decide does care, but can't escape the sort of boundaries of his own existence with regards to the people that he that he cares about right like he's still locked into this idea of like right. it, it it's it's kind of the common neoliberal framework right of I, like this is how things get done i wrote 
I wrote down a pretty long quote from him. He's talking about, so, and so in this portion of the documentary, they are in the space that used to be occupied by where in Vonda's room was filmed. Okay. The Vonda's room itself, right. uh, the, the streetway that's really a hallway uh, because of how dense these buildings are, uh, and the other characters' rooms just across the way. Uh, and he talks about Vonda's room being a public square as a place where uh, really all of these rooms, because they were so densely, so densely packed, all of the rooms were public rooms, really. <laughs> there was no privacy because just by nature of getting from one place to another, you would be walking through other people's right. living spaces. Uh, but he talks particularly about Vonda's room being a place where people met to talk. And we see that sort of thing in, in Vonda's room. You know, uh, people stopping by to to talk to to Vonda and end up getting into uh, deep conversations that are not just performative for the ca camera about their lot in life. Uh, you know, that was some of our favorite parts of In Vonda's Room were were when when people were actually talking about themselves. Right. Uh, so he's he's talking about that being a public square, and he says, "You might think I'm exaggerating, but maybe not." I still find there's a sort of feeling in the film that the people have a way of engaging in politics, a bit of philosophy. They're thinking all the time, doing, saying, exchanging things. They're little problems, little issues, but it's about these th it's about those things. And that I don't that sort of <laughs> there's a line of logic there that he's trying to humanize these people. Who, who society generally does dehumanize, right? But he's doing it in a sort of way of saying, yeah, the things they're concerned about, you'd be surprised about how human these humans actually are. Uh, and sure, the things they're concerned about are pretty hand to mouth, but, but you know, they're, 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 uh, they're in line with, with deeper issues of philosophy. And it's, you know, it's this idea that, Poor people don't care about philosophy because they care about their next meal is right, subtext yeah. to what he's saying, right? Right, right. And it's also yeah. not true. And it's not true even in what we have seen in Vonda's room and even in what we have seen in Colossal Youth. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, yes, you're, you're right. Those, those people aren't talking about uh, their day-to-day -day lives in a way that is kind of like politics or hinting at a bit of philosophy. They are philosophizing and talking about their political reality. Right. Well, that's, that's just that's what they're the doing. Thing is like, I think what you get into in like, okay, like this has been identified a bajillion times before. Or like, we're not breaking a new ground here. But there's a tendency that like, when you get into sort of academia or and 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 and, and something like filmmaking being very adjacent to something like academia, this idea that the only yeah. val valid way to talk about a political issue is the sort of reified like. Like pure, right. pure, like pure form of the discussion, rather than like the the, the like the mass like the mass politic version of that discussion, right? Being like it sort of says that the sort of for lack of a better term, like vulgar discussion of political realities is like the bad version of it, right? Like the fact that the people are talking right. about like right. the problem with like <laughs> with incarceration and like. Like oppression is like oh well, but they're talking about it how it affects them in their daily lives. That's the wrong way to do that. That's not the, that's not the reified like 
academic version. That's the that's the vulgar version, right? And there and there tends right, to be right. a like look down your nose at like people who are discussing pol- like political reality rather than like the sort of yeah concept like that sort of like um, you get it high minded philosophy of it. You get it all the time in uh, uh, you know, journalists who uh, write about issues. Uh, being written off as activists because they experience those issues as well. Right, you know? right. And you get that for, for, for people writing about trans issues, people writing about uh, race issues, people writing about, you know, if you're not, if you're not a, a cis white man, you've uh, put bias into what right. you're talking about. Yeah, there's, by a, there's an of, overemphasis yeah. in, and I think it's because it, it does, in fact, serve sort of the, the modern neoliberal political order, right? This like this detached, dispassionate version of a thing where like well we've taken all the the we've luckily we've removed all the human elements of this particular problem now and now we're just down to the brass tacks of it is is somehow considered the ideal version and i think it's because it 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 works better for this system right to not have actual humans involved yeah there's a moment also in uh in the documentary where Costa says, and it's his thoughts are very unclear here. So, so yeah, if I'm synopsizing say, this so in a way to say the that least. is not, yeah. Um, so I guess this is my interpretation of what he's saying is what I'm, what, what I mean to say there. But he he essentially says that the way he has filmed the Fontenhas stuff, uh, feels like a real job as opposed to movie makers who just make movies. Like, he, he dichotomizes that. Um, so on the one hand, that reminds me of uh, the quote from The Human Condition, that your job is at odds with who, <laughs> who you are. Right. Um, uh, because I really do think that part of Costa's problem in expressing his thoughts here is that he... he is in a dialogue within himself about what's going on and, and what needs to be done. Right. Um, and he doesn't want to, yeah. The other aspect of that is he doesn't want to be seen as an advocate. I don't think. Right. And I think, yeah, I think he totally. is, he is largely approaching this stuff apolitically, which is problematic, right? He has which expressed, is, which is, yeah, which is where, problematic. We are, where we are deriving a problem from it. Right. And where we've derived yeah. a sort of problem yeah. with all three of them, has been the fact that like right. trying to approach this thing, this issue with that kind of dispassionate sort of like, well, I'm just here to, I'm just here to call balls and strikes, doesn't doesn't yeah. doesn't work, right? Like that's not a that's not right. a like he's he is happy that he has done and is is right to be happy that he has uh, made a, a document of this place and this time and these people and an honest look at them. But is it really an honest look at them in eliminating their political lives? Because I, listen, maybe, maybe Vonda's not going to city council meetings to advocate for her neighborhood, but somebody in that neighborhood is right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like, and, and I would say that like, Vonda's room, to that extent, is the closest we get to 
him not washing that stuff away, right? Because we do have Vonda having conversations with people that are like, earn it, whether or not they are real conversations or not, it's very unclear as we've talked about, but are very yeah. earnest feeling conversations about like political reality, right? Um, right. And I, and I think that even if, even if those weren't the sort of conversations Vonda's always having in her room, they are the things that those people decided to say in front of Costas. Right, exactly. I don't get they the impression the, those are words are that Costas that... putting into their mouth or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah, They're, those words are not coming from Costa, and and these people have made a political decision right. to say those things to Costa in a way that that they are hoping someone will see. Right, and and, and that's um, where you kind of get into an and, interesting thing, right, is that, like, Costa, I think you're right to say, like, has decided to, like, take a basically, like, document, sort of documentarian sort of stance on this and just, well, I just filmed it and that's what it is. They said what, you know, they say what they say or whatever, right, kind of thing. And they've made political decisions uh, of their own accord. But I think in him choosing not to... I get I get torn on this kind of stuff because what is more valuable is is him documenting that stuff as a sort of kind of a as a byproduct of just sort of recording stuff writ large more valuable or less valuable than like actively trying to like engage with that more and trying to make the movie more about that stuff right like I don't I don't know because like on the one hand, Costa doesn't really have a lot of, like, it's getting to that question of, like, you know, centering, he, no one's going to hand Vonda a camera. Like, that's just never going to happen. Right. That's not how society is laid out. So, like, it does provide right. her and the people around her with an outlet to make their voices heard. Right. And that's not even what Costa did. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, ultimately, I think... I think he's on the level when he says he respected them and that he believes they respected him. And I think they, they did respect him. I don't want to put all that in his head. But there's, you know, in some of the things he says, like when he talks about having good memories about the shoot and that that's not something he could say about prior movies. It's not something he experienced before. And putting that in light of the things he says about some filmmakers just make movies, but he felt like this was a real job. Uh, you know, it's it's this it is this ivory tower thing where he feels like he's doing real work for the first time in his life. Right. Where where he like he's he's getting nitty and gritty in the blue collar. Um, right, right. It's, it's it is that classic thing, right? <laughs> well, you know, uh finally I kind of I'm gonna like that. That sort of like thing, that cliche of like quit, quit my job and whatever sort of academia or whatever, and go like I'm gonna work on construction sites or something. That it has that kind right, of vibe right, too, right, right. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, that's you know, it has that vibe, but rectifying that vibe to what's actually happening, uh, I hope he's more self-aware, right? Uh, and I there are. Occasional hints that he's more self-aware. Well, and that's and that, that and that's the like he's not he's not doing the construction work. He's just documenting the deconstruction. Right, work. right, right. So yeah, you know. it, it it is actually I I find the the overall effort to determine of how how self-aware Costa is 
to be kind of maybe a knot we can't unravel, right? Like, it's just like, <laughs> right, he right, says right. things that are, like, to us, by all appearances, f- deeply contradictory yeah. constantly. Um, right. I will so, say that I believe that that interview we watched with Osos is the, the, the last thing we have of him in terms of chronological order, right? That's like 2009. Yes. Like 2009. I believe that's true. And so, to a certain extent, that's sort of my... I can't help but in cap my thoughts on him with what he said in there, which is he finally seemed to have landed on firmly on the near the sort of neoliberal stance of like, well, I, the, I, I descended down to offer help to this group of people. That, like that, that, that sort of final, that was the kind of final vibe I feel like is like this sort of like, well, I, you know, it kind of had a vibe of charity work kind of. Dear, right, of the, right. Of the, the, and, yeah. Uh, well, I left my 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 when, I left my wealthy estate to come, to come do some charity work among yeah. amongst the the lesser people. It's sort of the vibe I get during during the Osos episode. We talked about that interview as sort of feeling like uh, you particularly said you felt like uh, Gorian was trying to draw things out of Costa I and give do, him an out to say something actually political i do think <laughs> so yes yeah uh so it's maybe interesting that uh you know last week i we talked about pedro costa's uh top 10 on the criterion website oh right 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 uh and in that i have forgotten in what that, it was. he frequently yeah in that he frequently talks about gorin being such a good friend of his uh and I don't know. I feel like I feel like Gurin giving him the out to make a political statement feels like someone who has been tasked with this interview but doesn't know Costa. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And the fact that Costa describes him as a friend around the same time maybe lights that differently. But I don't know. Yeah, that that actually just uh, confuses me more. I mean, I agree that the. the... The interview does not feel like two friends having a chit chat as much as like an. A, right. a, a, it feels, it feels like a, a, an interview interview where it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna right. keep trying to get you to explain yourself and like, add context to your statements right. because you're basically giving me three word answers here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, moving beyond that interview and and to the movie yes. itself, um, it is interesting to me. Uh, from uh, from the fact that through the last couple movies we have struggled to find information about the film <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> in English sources, um, at least readily available. Uh, Colossal Youth is the first one that has an actual voluble like plot synopsis yes, and yeah. reception section on the Wikipedia, and uh, flip flip wise. The Portuguese Wikipedia page for Colossal Youth is one sentence. Oh my God! Really? Uh, instead of wow, yeah, yeah. So, do you think? Okay, just throwing this out here, just just like back, you know, off the cuff. Do you think Colossal Youth more than the others was intended for international audiences? I, I don't know. It did premiere. It did premiere at Con. Um, or at least I believe it premiered at Con. Yes. The film premiered at the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, it was not well received at Cannes. Uh, leading, Roger Ebert actually did not go to see it at Cannes. 
uh, and and he gets a quote on the Wikipedia that shows up um, in some other some other sources about the movie too. It's very silly. Uh, he didn't go see it because uh, Times Time Magazine's film critic Richard Corliss had warned him that his wife had gone and quote walked out after an hour because the movie made her feel like rats were fighting in her skull. Okay. I don't I did not have that reaction to this. Um right. I will say that <laughs> right. I I mean the movie was if I had to be like if I'm being brutally honest was a little hard to watch primarily because it is it is when we like we've we've talked about like what one imagines with certain sort of veins of art house cinema, right? Like and like the go to yeah. is typically the 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 sort of French new wave, but like also modified to actually have n- literally nothing happening. So it's just two people talking. Yeah. Like, and, and this isn't quite that far, but it does it does remind me as sort of a stereotype of a certain kind of art film where, yeah, it, I I found this movie easier to focus on than I found in Vonda's Room. I will agree with that. In Vonda's Room, struggle because yeah. in Vonda's Room is extremely disjointed. Um. So in sort of I think there's, I think there's probably a couple reasons for that. One because there is a thread of narrative in that we are focusing on Ventura's life, right? Entirely. Uh, two, I really think this is true. I think that uh, the fact that we are outside more and occasionally in the bright white new apartment, right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, gives gives a contrast. In the film, a visual contrast in the film uh, that are also ideological contrasts within the film, but a visual contrast in the film that just keeps my eyes from getting tired of looking. Right, the, the modern room just so. didn't have. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I definitely, yeah. I, I do think this was easier to follow in that way than in modern room. I will say that this, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on it, just because in Vonda's room there's a sort of the energy that the people in Invana's room bring to the movie is a little bit, a little bit higher key than than Ventura's. Ventura yeah. is an old, an older man who is is that's fair speaking yes. and moving at a speed that is a little bit sometimes like it. It's a little hard to constantly keep your attention locked on it. Like it, it, it just like. Whereas Imbanda's room struggles because it's disjointed and confusing, this one for me struggles a little bit because it is just like, please, just a little faster, just just please, everything happen just right, a right. little bit faster, right, right. And it's it's interesting that yeah, that that slowness is a problem that you and I both have with with the movie here, and obviously it's deliberate. Well, yeah, but but it's not. I just I don't. With Osos and and with the way Costa talks about the people in these movies, there there is hustle because they are hustling right, to live, right. right? And I don't know. And, and it's that's not the thing genteel. is, it's worth it's noting not. that Costa never features that in any of the three films. He talks about it, right? But none of the three right. films, well. Well, not entirely talks about it because he no, does that's not kind a, of in that last interview imply that there are a bunch of lazy, worth, 
they're all just doing drugs and are worthless. <laughs> with the green, let's never, the green. Let's does, not forget that he that. does talk about uh, that, which as is well. interesting. Interesting that that's paired with with the uh, the Sun Criterion Channel. That's paired with Osos, which is the one that shows Vondo working multiple jobs. Right. Right. So, well, and, and bear in mind yeah. that this is a movie about a man who is who has worked his ass off his entire life, right? Like, just right. just to the right. bone, right? Like all of the, all of his suffering and his problems that Absolutely. he clearly has with his body are all derived from the way he was worked half to death constantly by a system that had no respect for him right. as a human being at all. Uh, very clear, right? Um, but like somehow, Costa keeps picking subjects that like aren't going to move in a world that's probably like brutally full of movement to the point of like right. the extreme. And like, you know, this one's interesting because Ventura is, 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 is a man who's past the time where he can do that anymore. Right. The, the system has already ground his bones down. Right. Like there's nothing. Right. He can't do that anymore. Right. And part of his listlessness, I think probably is derived from the fact that he can't do that anymore. Right. He's just sort of, like he kind of reminds me of my grandfather, if that makes sense. Yeah. My grandfather was a, a very hard labored person for a very long time, and then he retired and did not know what to do with himself. Just sort of wandered and, around. And as as both a culmination to the last two films, and and just what happens in this film, um, Costa doesn't draw really direct parallels but in having Ventura and Vonda interact in the ways they do we see that Vonda is on that same path right right there's a cyclical right. nature to this too uh her lifestyle which she only lives because of uh the circumstances of her life and and the fact that they are in a a uh an area that is depressed uh, and someone is doing that depressing. Um, it's also killing her. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, she's we, got this lung yeah. disease. Uh, you know, and, and you know, while <laughs> that last scene where, where Ventura comes to Vonda's house and she opens the door and says, oh, you're just in time. I've got to go to work. Can you watch the right. kid? Uh and Vonda falls asleep on her bed. And honestly, I, I have expected the film to end with or, uh, Ventura, Ventura yeah, fa yeah, yeah. falls asleep on her bed. And I, I honestly have expected the film to, to end with Ventura just passing out as if dead, if not dying right. on, on that bed, uh, which I'm, I'm glad it didn't. But <laughs> it was sort of the the thread that I thought. Right. We I, yeah, I, I agree. For yeah. a second. Yeah. Um, and it and it is interesting in this being a sort of more direct sequel to in Vonda's room. Vonda is here, and a good chunk of this movie, as much of Va in Vonda's room, takes place in Vonda's room. Right. It is a different room for Vonda uh, because she has already moved to the place they are being relocated to. But it is still a lot of this still takes place in Vonda's room. So you know they they. All kudos to to Costa for that uh, because it's really smart and and he does make these movies. He 
the box set works because Colossal Youth feels like a third act Absolutely. to the other I, two I, movies. I would argue that not – I mean, also to a certain extent is kind of the outlier, right? Like even now. Like right. I liked Osos, but it, it is it – is, you could do without Osos and be fine, but the Invana's Room and, and Colossal Youth are very much of a, of a, of a pair, right? They are meant to be like – right. Um, together, right? You, you like Colossal Youth makes a lot more sense if you've seen In Vonda's Room, and and to a certain extent, yes. In Vonda's Room becomes more clear as a work of art with Colossal Youth added on at at the end, right? I think that's I think that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting with with you know what we talked about in the last five minutes or so, uh, and how how we're approaching this movie that. Uh, so many critics seem to have, well, okay. The New York Times review, uh, Manola Dargis calls Colossal Youth one of the most misunderstood films of Khan. Um, talks about it being uh, beautifully photographed, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this wholly beguiling mixture of fiction and nonfiction looks and sounds as if it were made on another planet. And in some respects, it was. And there is, and it's totally class. Uh, I understand people who jobs have jobs as reviewing movies for national newspapers, uh, and the people who go to see films at con, as viewing movies, and I think we've experienced this in the past, as viewing movies about lower classes as sort of uh, ethnography about yeah, there's a sort of there's a sort of sort right? of visual tourism that happens via yeah. via uh, films about classes that they're yeah. not directly familiar with per se. Right, right, and and of course this in in being shot on location and with non-professional actors who live in that location, um, the documentary aspects of this movie make it more real than others. There was, I forget where it was that I ran across it. Um, I don't think it was anyone quoted on the Wikipedia, Uh, but there was one review I ran across of Colossal Youth where someone talked about it just as being it, it could have been an amateur review or two on like IMDB or or, or uh, Letterboxd or something um, but talked about not being able to watch this movie uh, because it was too real because because these people were too real and that was depressing that these were real people yeah I mean I can see that <laughs> who were really in these situations I certainly understand that um but in both those in both those responses, it's this othering and foreignizing of. I mean, that New York Times review talks about it. Uh, in some respects, being on another planet. I think that's and, the more upsetting one. I think the person who's like coping with the fact that this is too real is a little bit yeah. less worrying because, like, it is othering, but it's also this idea of like, like, I, I, especially as we go through the world that we live in now like just coming to terms with like oh there's just you kind of can get very overwhelmed with the idea like there's nobody who's in a good place 
Oh right, that right, exists. Right, right, like it's right, like, right. Do, are any good? Do any good places exist in this world that any of us have any access to at all? Right, like hard to tell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we talked. It's, it's much. We easier talked a few me. weeks ago about doom scrolling as an aspect of modern. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, and, and like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can feel that a lot harder than like Mister Ah. It's like another planet. It's like this doesn't feel like another planet. Not really. It only feels like another planet if you yeah. have never come anywhere near. Like I don't know how like. What what must your life be like to watch this and imagine it as being as I mean the movie has a sort of ethereal vibe that I'll buy into and not, some of that has to do with Ventura's sort of plotting nature and the fact that we're we're kind of moving through the sort of the latter stages of his life and it has a certain I I don't know how to what call what to call the quality but like it has that feeling of like floating right I'll buy into that stuff but like like oh it's like another planet feels very like. Did, like this sort of like did you know people like, Margot, did you know people live like this like you know this kind of like <laughs> it was like what the fuck man like what's wrong with you <laughs> yeah yeah i am i i don't know i <laughs> i'm surprised that ebert uh i'm surprised that ebert didn't go see this movie based on the Time Magazine film critic's wife's reaction to this movie. I really am, and I'm kind of disappointed yeah. by it. Uh, I mean, if there's but, one thing that Ebert will do in your life, it's disappoint you. Of course. I've of course. read lots of things by him that I really enjoyed reading, and then, like, Ebert is, is – is, is you can say one thing about Ebert, and he is very human. <laughs> like, Yes. Like, just a very human human. Absolutely. And of course, this is Ventura is very human. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, and that, there's that. Kind of getting back to like what we were talking about, like, I, I don't necessarily, like, I don't know. Like, I'm really, I have a hard time reconciling. Like, we were talking earlier about the idea that, like, you know, we don't, like, Costa likes to talk about the hustle and bustle of people who are, like, sort of living, the, like, that he saw, but then never shows it really. But then, like, we were talking about how the contrast, so, like, Ventura is a person who is at the end of that, right? It's already over. And I think the only thing we're really missing is there's, there's no, there, we don't have a film that's, like, the in-between point between those two things, right? Like, and, and what we run into is that, like, Ventura is talking about those experiences, but, like, we're we're very much in a, in a tell-not-show no, tell sort of scenario here. Which is nice. It's it's interesting to listen to what he has to say and and how things. Are, but like, it it to a certain extent defeats the purpose of not pairing that up with actually seeing people who are still engaged in that those experiences. You know what I mean? Um, by only talking to Ventura, like only showing Ventura that that where where it's all being told to us, we don't ever get to see it. It it still works. I do. It is interesting to follow Ventura around and like have watch him interact with people and and see we, we can see the toll his life has taken on him at every turn right like everywhere he goes everything he does it's, it's very apparent and and expressed it's just Costa seems to have just forgotten to show anybody actually doing the part that is probably the hallmark of this place and and the people living there right I I don't know. He just never manages to show it, and it's, it, that's kind of a strange element of, well, of the movie. I mean, that's 
that then is the fear does does that aspect what he what he does show does that mean that's what he thinks is the defining element of yeah who these people I mean are? I would say that if I had to level a real legitimate complaint about what I think Costa sees I would say that in Vonda's room so heavily featured drug use that I think that is Costa's takeaway from that area I don't yeah. I don't know like Costa did the editing he chose what to put in and what not to put in and I would say that he especially when you with paired with his remarks at the end sort of our last experience with him chronologically I think you know our Invonda's room has an implication that this is what everybody here is doing with their time all the time that that like that feeds yeah. into that feeds into my fear that his belief is that whether he's humanizing people or not uh, it in the end his view is that like most of the people in this area were just sitting around doing drugs all the time yeah yeah uh and you know it's it's disappointing then to see the documentary associated with this one where he talks about the hustle they had you know they're sleeping they're sleeping on the floor of buildings that are being torn down and going to park cars Right. Uh, as as their day job or uh you know he met the guy who played uh the father in osos was just a construction worker that he ran across right um yeah uh it's just i don't know his his relationship what what he seems to think makes these people human isn't isn't a full picture of who they are be, to me because he's not talking about everything we're seeing as being aspects of the capitalist society that they're living in. And I think and that's where I think we loop back into the fact that what we were talking about from the beginning with Osos is like this this sort of neoliberal view on the world requires you to not pay attention to the root cause of everything that's happening, right? Like you have to ignore the things that are right in front of your face because otherwise you will have to engage with that. Because as soon as you start to engage with that problem, it's all going to feel like a bag of cats, right? Like you're not, the, the system you've built will immediately start to crumble in your hands the moment you like, it, the, the moment you look behind the curtain just a little bit too long. You know what I mean? Like there's this like, there's this phenomenon right. in the way that like, it's like, and the cause of that problem is we're not going to finish that sentence because we cannot because the whole thing will absolutely fall apart immediately yeah and and i don't think he's willing to like open the bag of cats to find out what's inside you know he's just he's never gonna he just doesn't want to do it he doesn't want to engage with the fact that like right everybody in this place every single problem that that they're experiencing and and frankly all the people around him in his life in his real in his day-to-day life that every there's a reason for this stuff and like that's just a bridge too far we're just not going to I don't know Osos gets the closest to doing that Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that's stripped out when he goes to the less formal, more, mm-hmm. but even also, even also doesn't 
quite like pull the trigger on it. Oh, so right. it's like gets right. close, but never really like goes the whole way Osos, there. Osos at least talks about money, right? Right, but so talking about that. money, like, <laughs> well, yeah, you can talk about money in, right. these, in these, like, like, fucking <laughs> evil liberals talk about money all the goddamn time. Like, right, but you right, never right. engage with the fact that, like, and why is that a problem? Why, why, why is this thing that we all depend on a problem, right? Like, and, and I think you right. and I get frustrated, and as we've gotten further into this project in general, you and I tend to get frustrated for people who like don't like sort of finish the job, right? They don't, they don't like reach the the final conclusion, right? And like we more often than not will finish the like finish the sentence for them half the time when we're talking about the movies, but like this one feels more like that. I think more upsetting because. Here we are with like people in situations that are very easily understood and explained if you've allowed yourself to use the right tool set, right? But if you're not willing to use the right tool set, you're just going to constantly come up with weird question marks and go, oh. And like that kind of where I always feel like we are with Costa is like, well, I'll just follow these people around and see how they're doing and like. We'll just watch their lives, and we won't interrogate why why this man was ground like ground into dust, basically. Like, yeah, we just we, right. we won't we right. won't figure we won't try to figure that out. We we'll talk about racism a little bit, and like we'll talk about like classism a little bit, but we won't talk about why those things exist or right. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I think there's a there is a sequence in this film that encapsulates that, and that's we go from. Uh, from Ventura and and the one younger guy who he's talking to about the letter, right? Uh, you know, you know. Um, and Ventura's got this letter. He's he's memorized this letter. He's going to send to a loved one, a former lover, uh, back in Cape Verde. Um, and and we cut immediately from that to what is at first just a static image of uh Ruben's flight to Egypt the the painting right. of of Mary and baby Jesus uh surrounded by little cherubim angels uh and then you know we step back to see that it is Ventura staring at this painting uh and then that leads us to this conversation that we we find out Vin, Ventura built built this museum, uh, but the conversation with with the guard then who is also a Cape Verde immigrant, uh, talking about how this is such a cake job most of the time, until people like Ventura and people like himself come in. Mm. And then he has to be vigilant. Uh, and fortunately, that doesn't happen. And I don't know. I really feel like Costa is, a, is, is approaching this from an idea that the poorest of the poor don't appreciate art. I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think like 
I, my interpretation of it was Costa trying to do a little bit of like cla- like kind of race slash cla- class critique of like in the sense that like this guy who's working here has been told that like he basically has to run anybody who he might view as being like himself out of the premises as soon as possible. Right, 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 right. right. And, yes, and, yes, of course that exists there. Right, and so he's like in he's talking about he's talking about the fact that like he's the enforcer of a paradigm that directly is aimed at people like himself, right? Like that, like right, and like that's a fucked up position to be in, right? And so I think, like, Costa, like, to me, that shows that Costa, like, keeps, like, getting close to the precipice, but refusing to, like, jump off the ledge. You know what I right, mean? Like, right. he keeps getting, like, the, oh, like, but I wonder why it's like this. Like, <laughs> like the, the, right. there's a the, sort of the bafflement of that, that he has to have, like, a sort of bafflement that he has to yeah. take onto his shoulders in order to be able to do this without, like, going right, right. over the edge. Because that, that entire sequence, which, of course, Costa crafted, is is uh, that Ventura is an outsider to the inside of this museum. Right. But he built this museum. Right. And, you know, that gets back up to the, the, the metaphor of that we talked about with Osos of the title, Osos, of these, are, these, these people are the bones of society. Right. Um, and, you know, and that, that also gets into... Uh, a horrific and repulsing and foreignizing response to seeing bones, uh, you know, uh, to seeing the bones of society right. because you're not supposed to see bones. Right. When you see bones, something well, catastrophic. Well, and, and, and is Ventura happening. is like uh, just like Osos. Ventura is the walking remnants of us of of like the, the system doesn't want to engage with anymore. Right? Like, oh well, we used right, we right, used right. you up. You did the thing we brought. You, we, you're, you were here for. Why are you still here? Like, why are you still right, hanging around? Right. You were supposed to disappear after you finished. Um, and, like, and that's all fine. It's My problem is this, that, like, Costa doesn't seem to want to take that the next logical step forward, right? Like, he, okay, right. We, we've said enough, which is this society has no humanity or respect for its uh, for the bones that built it, right? Um, right. But like, doesn't want to interrogate why that is or what can be done about that as a society, right? Yeah. Like, what the what the remedies to that yeah. societal problem is, which is fine. You don't have to always give answers, right? But you have to at least acknowledge what the actual problem is. Right. Yeah. I. Yes. And I appreciate. I suppose I appreciate that entire scene. Because it's not it's not about the I don't know the only reason I might get a little hint that that it might be Costa making some sort of claim that that uh, people like Ventura do not come into these spaces because they don't appreciate art is one other thing he says in the documentary which I don't think I think it was a self deprecating thing than than anything else. Uh, but the fact that it also exists, uh, he says. Uh, he he says that the the people of the neighborhood don't like his movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, maybe right. Like, yeah, I on well, but honestly, like if somebody like I would, 
if Costa made a movie about my life, I would not want to watch a movie about like <laughs> honestly speaking. Right, right, to, right, right, uh, right. There are a lot of honest. there are a lot of reasons that the people in Costa uh, in Costa's movies would not want to watch Costa's movies, right. uh, and you know some of them are out of uh, you know not wanting to watch yourself on screen, uh, and. Some of them are, I'm sure, certainly that the entertainment that these people are uh, consuming is escapism. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> and, right. And exactly. And this would be this would be very much in the vein of Too Close to Home, right? Um, right. And I'm sure for lots of people, this you know, like this movie, this movie works is is not going to be escapism for anybody, right? But right, right, but yeah, right. like I don't know, like. The thing about the art thing, I can I can see what you were saying. I think to a certain extent, you may be feeding some of the documentary stuff back into, you know what I mean? You yeah, create a loop. and I don't want to do or like that he does say some right. deprecating stuff about the people that he were that he's gotten to know in this area that like I'm sure fed back into the idea of like, well, he, this is like he they don't appreciate this. Now I will buy that he might be implying an idea that like they don't real like that Ventura is the only one of the people he that from that area who was interested in being here because of that thing we talked about earlier the idea of like well everybody they're all they're too busy hand to mouth to like have time to appreciate art or something like that right right right, like, right. and Ventura Ventura seems to have nothing but time right exactly that's point. what I mean it's so. like he's the only the, the only people with time are the ones who are past their usefulness in society but he's not going to engage with that because um that that again that that leads down the dangerous path right of like <laughs> why is that I guess I guess to me another interesting aspect of of his look at at uh, these people as 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 documentary or ethnography is that none of them have a religious life uh you know right. i i that's true. i said that thing sort of half jokingly during the osis episode about it being a christmas movie uh because there was a christmas tree in the background of one of the hospital scenes and you know it is a, a story about birth uh and 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 poor uh poor couple uh with an unexpected baby um so yeah, you know, also I will cutting say the to, closest to thing... a flight into Egypt. Right. <laughs> cutting to flight into Egypt is is you know, it's high culture, but it's also religion being you know, Well, the, pushed the closest thing we get to it, I would say actually is Vonda talking about wanting to take her daughter to Fatima. Yes. Which is yes, an explicitly that's, that's religious site. Too. Like it is explicitly right. religious. And and how that is because, directly connected to the idea right. that her daughter survived and was and she survived and they yes. all made it through a harrowing ordeal right. when it came to the birth and, of her daughter um right and vonda doesn't doesn't go into explicit detail about it but says that she made a promise to god or the saints or whoever that if uh if she survived to uh to see her daughter through this hospital visit after her birth that uh, that she would dedicate the child to uh I forget. <laughs> I just lost the saint's name. That you just said it, Fatima. But, but Fatima, yeah, yes, yeah. And like, um, and I don't know a lot about like this is so deeply far outside of my wheelhouse. But like, yeah, yeah. I do know that Fatima is a religious site. She is talking about it in religious, in a right, religious right, way, right? right? Yes. Like, this is going and, to be a pilgrimage, in thanks right. of everybody, of her and her daughter making it through this. Yes, Portugal. Portugal is uh, traditionally a Catholic country, 
um, Cape Verde is very Catholic as well uh, because of Portuguese colonialization being uh, right. five centuries old in Cape Verde, at least. Uh, you know, there's not been a lot of other um, religious colonization through that area or conversion through that area. I think, I think even today, uh, 75% of Cape Veridians are Catholic. Um, and I'm sure there's, uh, I think if I remember correctly from what I read on it uh, a few days ago, um, there is an aspect of, uh, I forget the terminology, but incorporating, uh, the traditional beliefs of, of the island's religions into Catholicism too, uh, which happens all over the world. Right. Uh, so, you know, they, they still, they are, they are people from a Christian background, um, who would be familiar with Christianity, but the Cape Verdeans themselves would have a legitimate reason to view, uh, aspects of Christianity as aspects of colonial power. Too. Right. Um, so I don't know the, the, the idea that. Ventura is looking at the flight to Egypt itself, which is a story of refugees, a story of running from political violence. Uh, there's a lot wrapped up in that image, right? Uh, but I, but I think all that's wrapped up in that image is is what is for the most part what Costa's bringing into it, not necessarily what Ventura is yeah. bringing into it, right? Like, it would be. Right. It would be interesting to me to find out how much of that was Ventura. Right. Did it would be Costa, very interesting. Did Costa take him into this museum and let him sit in front of whatever image reacted to him or, or brought a reaction from him, whatever he was drawn to? Uh, or is that where the bench was or where the lighting was right. Or right. I mean, it could whatever, be a million things. You know. and it, I mean, it could go as far as to have be, be close to choosing very specifically a, a that painting because yeah. it is it is symbolically right. Right. good for the sort of story he's telling, right? Um, it's right. really it's really hard to know. I would say, though, to a certain extent, we talked about, you mentioned in Osos, and we're back kind of here. It's like, I, I think to a certain extent, the, the lack of apparent religious over, like, expression in the movie to a certain in these movies might to a certain extent be partially of that sort of thing where like it's 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 assumed right like we're like everybody right. here is catholic we're all already doing catholic stuff i'm right. not going to show what is essentially like a part of daily right. life that like we all already know is part of it does yeah. that make sense? Well, the flip side... Well, so we we don't show, the like, flip side I mean, there's there movies is that, that are made where we never show anybody eating. Like, it happens yeah. all the time showing, in movies. Yes, but but showing them being religious, if if part of the point of this entire project is to humanize these people, then reminding the audience that these are shot for, that, hey, these people share your religious uh, yeah. background too. Yeah, I mean, but again, uh, like I would be I, I have a hard time defining what exactly Costas's purposes are. Right, right, right. At right, any right. given time. Um and like even if they share the religion, it I don't again, I don't know if, if um Costas is engaging with us or not. Like I will say one thing that I'm sure you're very well aware of. I, I know for a fact you are 
boy howdy when you are worked to the bone do you not have a lot of time to like do like, right. religious right. actual ceremonial behaviors right like ritualistic right. behaviors right. you have time for like to be you in, you in yourself are but like like church happens is at a very specific set of times that boy howdy you sure seem to be busy at those times aren't you because, because right. you know, right. and we and, can get into why that is again. Comes goes back to our good old friend capitalism, but like, and you know, and to that regard, let's also point out that uh, it appears to have been at least two years that Vonda has been saying, oh, "I'm going to take right, yes, yeah, the girl to Fatima, right?" Because <laughs> you made that promise while in hospital at her birth, right? Um, and and and, and know, like the other, I'm sure that I, like Vonda will desperately try, but like. God only knows when Vonda is going to have the money and time to do anything like right. that, right? If ever, right? right. right? If ever, yes. Um, I don't know. There is just also the aspect of the cut from their conversation to a steady shot of flight right. into Egypt is uh, the most cinematic thing of of any of the Costa movies we right, watched. Right, right. So, I will say um, that this of of the three, this is the most cinematic. Period. I think that's And it fair. is fascinating yeah. that Costa seems to have flipped reversed course again and started doing yes. like film making the craft that involves like other people and lights and shit like that. Right. There are no there are no trucks. There's no separate cinematographer, but there is a sound guy and there are lights right in the documentary sections we see right, right. i'm fairly it's certain not just this is coastal a with a mirror and natural lighting right and and this you can is, tell too like this, the quality of the, the the film quality is yeah. like significantly higher right he's like, still i think he's shooting it on a better db camera but he's still shooting digital video right but, but 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 most of that's coming what i mean is that most of that's coming from light and 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 staging and things yeah. like that like Inbonda's room has a feeling right. of like I'm just and taking this camera wherever the hell they are at the moment. Right. Whereas this has and more of the, a feeling uh, of like, hey, I need you to stand here. Right. The shots in the social housing are shot differently to everything right. else. So you know there are there are decisions being made to reintroduce an amount of artifice. Yes. That uh, that Costa had supposedly gotten rid of. With in Vonda's room, uh, right, and 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 as a result, and because you and I we have talked long, long, long terms about like artifice and film and like yeah. our feelings about it. Like as a result, this is a more beautiful film. It is. It is. You 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 can well, you can talk about the beauty of like of that sort of raw footage that is not in any way doctored. And and or or modify in something like in Monda's room, but like he stages shots in here. Like there are there are very right. clearly staged shots. They're planned. The lighting's planned. The camera's perspective is planned, which was not a thing that in Vonda's room featured really in it at all. In, at yes. all, right? And and as a result, there's a lot of really pretty striking shots here. Uh, I I you know some of them are striking still feel real and then there are some that like whenever they're eating at that table in that room in that apartment i guess it is yeah that shot is so feels so fucking weird yeah. it's like 
it doesn't feel like a. It feels more like a movie set than anything I've seen in any Costa film. It's not even a movie set. It's just the way it's staged is strange. It doesn't yeah. feel like a person's apartment. <laughs> it's very yeah. odd. It's like he's. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is such a small kitchen that he's like sitting on the oven while while he's shooting. Well, it's, it's totally possible. I I don't believe it's a set. Like, I, and it is an apartment. Right. And I've I've lived in apartments where hey. Where does the kitchen table? Where's the dining table go? Oh, I know. Up against this wall, guess what? This is a two-person table now. <laughs> like we have right, no right, uh, no right. more than two souls will ever sit at this table for God's sake because I cannot have it free floating anywhere in this room. Okay, and it's definitely that kind of apartment, right? It's that that's that vibe. But like just the way it's shot in the end is like it feels that so easily translates into. A student film about two people eating at a coffee shop, right, right, right. Uh, it, right. It, and, and 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 it's just sort of the only shot in the film. That every time I see it, I'm like, why? Why are we shooting this? This is weird. Uh, but other shots I like quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I I wonder if the man who is portrayed in the film as the social housing rep showing Ventura this film getting him his keys to, uh, or this showing Ventura this apartment getting him his keys talking about the paperwork and and the obligations of of living there if that is someone who is really in that position or if that is someone I, hired to play someone my in that position my brain tells me it's somebody hired yes. that's what my my heart tells me, me that that is not a person really in that position because i can't imagine anybody like in that position just volunteering to be in these shots this way right, stuff. It's right, just, right. It's, that's because unbelievable right because that is another way in which this film is at least hinting at something deep more deeply political in that uh this is a guy whose job is to sell the idea of these apartments even as he's not really selling the apartments because it's it is social housing well it's know, it's weird it reminds convincing people to move in and there is rent right but. exactly it, it's it's that classic weirdness right like yeah. my the, my my grandmother lived in and yeah stuff that like well so you gotta pay rent on this yeah. right there's an amount of condescension he has yes. toward ventura um and there's an exasperation with ventura and and certainly hints that other people have done this of when Ventura says he needs more bedrooms and the guy's flipping through the papers and says, well, there are no children listed in your file. Uh, it's just, you know, everybody demands more room. I think he, he explicitly says too, you know, and, and there is also the aspect of, you know, obviously within the narrative, we have an explanation for why Ventura has no furniture to move in, but that's not going to be an entirely uncommon Right, considering right. considering these people are moving out of buildings that are actively being torn down. Right. Uh, a lot of people are moving into these spaces with zero furniture for them. Well, and there's, right. a, there's all kinds of, like, even in, in Osos, we see people essentially ad hoc constructing furniture, like, on the fly. Right, like, right. Like, there's also that, that reality of, like, you know, this is, like, 
whenever you like have to move from place to place, like was any is any of this going to be worth my time to to carry across town or whatever? Yes. Right? Like, yes. do I want right. to schlep all this crap across town or not, or will I just figure it out when I get there and we'll deal with it? Um, because yeah, yeah. like that, so, that happens all the time, right? In life, right, right. There is you know there is an aspect of this. And I don't know, maybe, I don't think the way it's presented that, that Costa is sympathetic to the administrator's position here. No, I would say, um, I would say just a little bit, maybe. Like, maybe. when, when and, Ventura is, I think it goes a little bit both ways, right? Because, like, the, the, the administrator is un, is really... And, and again, I don't think he's a real person, like in the sense that he's not a real administrator. His condescending way of talking about like not paying rent, not paying gas bills, not paying light bills, and all that stuff uh, is very much meant to be an indictment of this sort right. of like the way the, the society is of the entire class, right? <laughs> right. Of, uh, yeah. Has decided and to deal with this this situation. On the flip side, when Ventura is like asking for. More and more and more, I think that that is supposed to go the other direction and be like, right? Why, like, you can't get around the idea that, like, it's really hard to get around the idea that to a certain extent, Costa is is commenting on the fact that, like, Ventura is not happy with good enough, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's you know, it's that that beggars can't be choosers mentality that so much of. Uh, the neoliberal power set yeah, exactly approaches, approaches social welfare with um yeah and yeah i think there's there's no doubt a truth to this guy being a cape verde immigrant who was a locksmith back in cape verde and is now a uh, uh in a position of authority but but middle management authority right right he is he is the face to try to sell the social housing to the idea of social housing to the people moving out of the neighborhoods that are being destroyed. Uh, and there's, you know, there's always the aspect of social housing of breaking up of community, right? right? Of, uh, of, you know, people not wanting to leave the place where they are because they are comfortable there, because they, you know, there is a fear of the unknown, certainly as an aspect of it, but there's also just, this is where I live. Well, and, <laughs> and, and, and the reality being that where they were living, like in Fontejas, is neighbors are community and our structure and our support mechanisms, right? Those were people right. that you depended on day to day to help you with things you needed help with that you could that you know what I mean like that neighborhood was a functioning support structure right and then when you break that up and you send people to the four corners they have to they are essentially left tetherless and have no support structure anymore right unless right. they have their family which is which is bear in mind what the neoliberal order tells you is the only support structure you actually need right is your is your job and your immediate right, direct right. family right you're not supposed to build external extended family networks right you're supposed to build nuclear family units that like function independently and have 
little to no regard for any of right. the other of said units around right. him, right? But the reality and, is something and, like Fonte Hess was most undoubtedly, we see it constantly in the two movies we see there, people are relying on each other and, and interacting with it, each other deeply. We see it constantly in the fact that literally everyone we meet calls Ventura Papa. Right, and so what we're seeing <laughs> here is that this 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 or this um this community has been sort of diaspora all over the place, and now now Ventura is wandering around visiting various parts of a community that probably at one point were all very geographically and emotionally close to each other, right? right. And that's going to be a like problem, even- right? Because that's not maintainable, right? He can't wander from person to person every day, all day, for all eternity to kind of keep this community alive, right? This community has already fallen apart, and Ventura is sort of one of the last remnants of of it still interacting with itself, right? The community is dead. It's never coming back. Even the guy who who shows up at Ventura's new apartment looking for help is the adult son of Ventura's most recent uh, partner. Right. Uh, so, so like his, his relationship to that guy is stepson ish, right? but not, you know, depending on how long he'd actually been with Cotilda, which we don't know in context, but doesn't really seem to have been that permanent of relationship. Right. So, uh, obviously it ended spectacularly and they, you know, they get some moments of, of resolution there too, but, um, I do like the opening of the film. You know, it's it's more disjointed, like, uh, well, like both of the past two films have been. Right. Um, you know, where we get the unseen person throwing furniture out a window um, that, uh, you know, is is in narrative meant to be Cotilda, mm. who we then cut to with a knife uh, talking about when she was younger, uh, just after her first child was born and going swimming in Cape Verde. Um, and then we meet Ventura, sort of even disconnected from that entirely too. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, and from then we're we're basically with Ventura the entire time, but it's, you know, it's, it's introduced... You know, I bet, I bet the majority of uh, people who saw this at Con left long before we even get that cut to, uh, to uh, flight to Egypt. Well, yeah, yeah probably, because that that they cuts probably like, left. What? When that cuts? Yeah, not. It's like two hours right. in. Right. So, well, like, that, yes, I agree. I mean, like the pacing of the movie will lend itself to like people bailing out. Right, long before you get to the end of the movie, right? Like it, 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 it takes the the movie moves at Ventura's pace, which is is yeah, which is, is great strong. in that it is a movie defined by Ventura, right? In much the same way that in Vonda's room was defined by Vonda, at least the parts right. With and, and my only, uh. my really, and like what made the movie feel slow for me was not so much actually Ventura's pace. It's just that like. It, it, to a certain extent, it's 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 naturalness of the conversations people are having lend it to being kind of like, well, now I'm just watching people have conversations, like right. real conversations, and like 
real conversations from the outside kind of are boring sometimes, right? Like it's like, and and like you right. get a lot out of it them, is, but they're slow. They're long, slow conversations, right? Right. It is. It is maybe a little worrying that the the lilt and pacing with which every character in Invanda's room and Colossal Youth talks is the same pacing we get whenever uh, Pedro Costa is talking in any of the documentaries. Right, 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 right. Uh, uh, One has to hope that they were just on, like, Lisbon time or whatever, right? Like, this is, uh, this right, is the way right, everybody right, is, right. right? Or something. But, like, yeah. I think it's really... Yeah, it's I'm, obviously I'm, people right. in their own heads. Right. All the time when they're talking, right? Too, and right? I and I get to, very torn about it because, like, to one extent, like when I think about any particular conversation, I admire that the conversations have room to breathe. That they don't, we don't ever feel like there's anybody yeah. holding up a stopwatch and being like, "Hey, you're over time here. Like, hurry it the fuck up, right? Like, get this conversation done." It lends it a certain naturalness, right? Like, if you're just like hanging out in your friend's yeah. apartment or whatever, you're not. And you don't have a place to be, and they don't have a place to be right now. Like you're not going to like rush through a conversation, right? You're just going to have the conversation you're going to have, right? You're having a beer together, fine. But right. at the same time, they that can get exhausting too, right? Like there's right. a there's a, there is a lot of that, and so I found that like I admire a lot of what is being done with regards to the characters and the way we spend time with them in this movie, it's just like, boy, two and a half an hour that we, we watch movies sometimes where the two and a half hours feel very short. And then we watch movies where the two and a half hours feel long. And unfortunately this was one where the two right. and a half an hours felt quite long. Um, yes. Well, which is not necessarily an indictment saying that what happened was bad. It just felt it was, it was an exhausting movie. Yes. Well, in the spirit of self-awareness and and talking about conversations going too long. The fact that we can't do an episode long. under two hours and forty five an hour and forty five minutes anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Maybe beautiful. it is time to to pull this one to a close. There is one more thing I I want to mention uh, on the on the box set. Unfortunately, we didn't have access to them because uh, we didn't have access to the physical box set this time. We have uh, we have in the past few hundred episodes tried to be more completionist about watching everything on the discs. Uh, that was not necessarily part of, I guess, our mandate when we entered into this project. I mean, we, we yes, have always our, just our air been watching mandate. the movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, our 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 completionist definition is that we will watch the movie. And that is that is named in the right. in the criteria. Yeah, we have title. we have we have we've we've uh, uh, what, what's it we've a mission creep. We've we've experienced some yes. significant mission creep. Well, we're going to have to roll back some of that mission creep this week because we just couldn't find uh, access in a way that Pat could end up watching it, uh, or me, really. <laughs> uh, the two the two short films that are also included on here. But it is interesting to note that those two short films do star Ventura and oh, were made just that after would, Colossal Youth. Would have been interesting. I would have actually liked to see them. Yeah. So I am I am disappointed to have not watched those. Uh, yeah. I know. After after last week within Vonda's room, I felt really disconnected from from Costa and from what Costa was trying to do. Colossal Youth makes me feel a little better yes. about that. I'm uh, I'm still concerned, politically speaking. Yeah. I don't know that yes. that him and I see eye to eye politically per se. Certainly not. But like from an artistic yeah. perspective, I get what he's going for better here than I did right. in, in right, Vonda's right. room. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. 
And, you know, I think this is... I uh, I think this is a better movie than In Vonda's Room, and I'm I'm disappointed that so many critics at Con just sort of just, walked yeah, out. Or, did, you know, or, or unsurprisingly, no yeah. also. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, unsurprisingly, though. Uh, so, yep, this is our last film in the Letters from Fontainehas box set of films by Pedro Costa. Uh, Who next we will week never we will watch be talking a movie about by ever again. That is also true, yes. Um, at least in the Criterion Collection at this moment. Next week we'll be talking about Vive Se Vie. Uh, uh, also, uh, My Life to Live, uh, which is a 1962 Goddard film. Uh, we have a history of not liking early 60s Goddard films. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, but I, I, always, I maintain I'm always, a firm, open mind. Yes. Godard is someone I'm always willing to give another chance to. Uh, that is that is not true of all of the French New Wave guys. No, no. So. He does get more of a benefit of the doubt than a lot of them do, frankly, from yeah. us. But, you know. Yeah. That's that's fair. Uh, it's just we know we know what he's capable of later. So, like. Right, right. It's like it's, it's, it's actually kind of our weird poison pill, right? Like it keeps sucking yeah. us back in. It's like, no, this won't be one of those because it's not time yet. It's. Right, right, 100%, but hey, we'll still watch it. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening to Watson Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorian, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>